welcome all you live streamers and those of you who are alive tonight. Hi, Kim. Hi. <laughs> I think I'm sitting. No, Mary and Mo. I haven't said hi to you. Momo. Momo. There's the rest. There's some basement people. Basement dwellers. The basement dwellers will be up. <laughs> Go ahead. Do it again. 
added the fourth verse. But yeah. the, the rest are... <laughs> That's the University of Georgia's fight song, too, by yeah. the way. Bold dog. <clears throat> oh, just turn to the next page. One page back, right? Yeah. Or one page, yeah. <clears throat> 73, my sins are gone. Did she use tea bags on it? I hear they help. <laughs> 
No, what I did is I, uh, since it happened in the living room and I was close to my trash can, I held it in my trash can and took my phone cord and wrapped it around like a tourniquet. Okay. Like MacGyver. Good evening, everybody. Annalene, I hope you feel better, sweetheart. Miss Jenny, would you like one tonight? Honey, or no? No? above 50 mile per hour overnight but during the day it got pretty good till about after lunch so uh, Saturday and possibly some snow so keep your eye on it do make your own you're probably just going to make your own judgment whether to drive in Sunday one says they're only going to get about an inch another says three inches so we'll see If they're wrong like they have been, how many of remember times? I remember one time we made plans to go somewhere and the day was going to be, uh, there's no chance of snow probably. And we ended up with six inches. Wow. Nice. Had to cancel our trip there. Something like that happens. Always remember you can go to bbfohio.com and I will have it on the website that uh, if we're not able to make it out here, we'll just not happen. So. Uh, with that, 2 Thessalonians 3, if you want to get your Bibles open and ready um, for the current events update. Before we jump into this, some breaking news. Chris Christie dropped out of the race. I know that <laughs> some of you need tissue. Where? There's some over here back there. I can tell. I know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he 
been a pain. He hasn't gotten any support, but he's been a pain. Then uh, Nick Saban of the Alabama Crimson Tide has retired. He announced that. So uh, that's for you football fans. The uh, college football, the only sanctified sport left. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, and I was thinking there was one more thing I was going to mention before we get into that. But uh, anyway, hold your question and comments to the end of. So that's what I was going to. I'm glad I waited. The Ohio House voted 65 to 28 to override. Now, now, now it goes to the Senate. And they weren't supposed to meet again until January 25th, but neither was the House. The House called a special session, and our on-the-ground correspondent, Jim Oldham, was telling me that they're going to do the same thing, I guess. And uh, at least that's what the news media said. Was it you or Mark, one of my correspondents out there? But uh, they're saying they're going to have a special session, too. So we'll keep the, our prayers and keep our eye out. But according to the spokesperson... Uh, for the GOP, they said that it's even going to be more lopsided in the Senate than it was in the House, which is way more than they need. So that means that children in the state of Ohio will not be allowed to be castrated and mutilated by sick, perverted adults. They will not be able to take uh, chemical castrations either, including hormones or estrogen, whichever the case may be. And boys will no longer be allowed to beat up on girls in girls' sports. So that's all great news. But again, the Senate has to do the deed. We we don't want to count those chickens before they hatch. So with our uh, update, Israel at war, it's 110-24. Not much changed since our last update. The death toll continues to rise as they are wont to do during war. Um, hostages remain at 136, uh, 1,200 dead, 12,957 wounded, and it's day number 96. We can expect these numbers to increase almost daily for weeks to come. Is that both sides or just Israel? Uh, I believe that's uh, Israel's. Uh, yeah, because if you listen to Hamas, they've got... Good well, that's the thing. I should, I'm glad you said that, Mary, even though you spoke out of turn. I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you said that because uh, we, can't, we have no idea how many Gazans because the numbers are always exaggerated from the people on the ground there. A lot there. more of them that hit the ground. Than yeah, well, they're, they're, I'm sure the death toll is way higher, but they like to increase the number and they increase the number of children and and uh, women and all that. But we can also expect anti-Jew, anti-Israel violence to increase. Um, to keep in mind, not all Muslims are uh, the same. Um, all Muslims believe in a false religion of one sort or another. But the Sunnis, which is Iran and uh, Hamas, uh, and then the Shia, which is, uh, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. The Sunnis are Hamas, and the and the Shia are uh, in Iran and Hezbollah. And so they, if it wasn't for the common hatred of the Jews, they'd be killing each other. And they are all over the world. It doesn't hit the news because the news only reports it when the Jews do it. 
<laughs> That's the way it works. But this is the typical Sunni Muslim that you're about to hear talking. If the West feels so sorry for the Israeli Zionists, why don't they give a place in Germany? Why don't they go to Hitler's back garden and make an occupation there? Then they will know what kind of people these are. Why every so many hundred years, the Zionists get slaughtered? Because Hitler knew how to deal with these people. They probably made a program so they can create a, a state of Israel in the expense of Palestinian Muslims' blood. Because Hitler knew how to deal with these people. Because Hitler knew how to deal with these people. Because Hitler knew how to deal with these people. He's expressing the attitude of the typical Sunni and Shia Muslim. Is they actually love Adolf Hitler. Mein Kampf is a bestseller in those countries. Still to this day. Here, the sodomite leftists in the United States. For clarification, Romans 1, 18-32, if you are a sodomite or an ally, you are considered one and the same. And that's the leftists in this country. And that includes leftist Jews in this country. They support Hamas. And you look at this video and watch a bunch of these people have shirts on declaring that they are Jews who support Hamas. Let's see it again so you can see the Jews say cease fire now. That's what that shirt says. immigration and illegals coming across the border illegally as well increases and sodomite LGBTQ influence grows then you're going to see this continue to increase. Anti-Semitic incidents in the United States has risen by 360% since October 7th. In response to the rape and murder and just you know satanic this horrible stuff of October 7th, you'd think people would say, that's terrible, and support Israel. But that's not how the leftist thinks because they're perverts. you got to understand that. The word pervert used to always be used by normal human beings to anyone involved in the leftist sodomite cause. But we've all been brainwashed out of saying plain English, and now we use words that they've made up and demanded we use. And so that's why I refer to them as perverts. I also want to say this before we move on. Uh, a word about the secret tunnels at Chabad headquarters in New York. I mean, you saw the report of these uh, tunnels that were found, and there was a riot, a small riot in New York about it. Don't believe the stuff that everybody's saying. There's people out there saying that they found evidence of this kind of, you know, like there was some kind of trafficking going on and all that. I've looked. There's no evidence yet to support that. There are people, especially for clickbait, will tell you that stuff so you'll go to their websites. If there's ever any evidence of that, 
then whoever's responsible should be arrested. I don't care if they're Jew or not. It, it, you know, it's a crime. Um, and it's another thing is everybody acts like since we support Israel and we support Jews, that somehow we're like in denial that there are bad Jews. There are bad Jews. I mean, started, you know, way back <laughs> throughout the Old Testament. You read about a lot of bad Jews. And then there's that guy named Judas, you mm -hmm. know, scary. He was a bad Jew. There are, but you know what? There are bad white people too. There are bad every race. And so, yeah, it, uh, there could be some people involved in something really bad there, but there's no evidence for it yet. So keep all that in mind and keep balance. Don't let people get you, you know, going, thinking crazy about this stuff. Of course, then you have Jeffrey Epstein, who, by the way, did not hang himself. And it's clear why the elite are glad that he's dead and not testifying. In case you missed it, some of you might not have seen this. Melinda French Gates opens up following her and Bill's divorce and the role Jeffrey Epstein played in their split. The power couple revealed last year that they ended their 27-year marriage. Any of the questions remaining about what Bill's relationship there was, those are for Bill to answer. That's Melinda sitting down with CBS Morning's Gail King on Thursday, her first wide-ranging interview since the split announcement in May. Divorce is a painful process, even when it's what both parties want. It still is a very painful, personal decision. It wasn't one moment or one specific thing that happened. There just came a point in time where there was enough there that I realized it just wasn't healthy and I couldn't trust what we had. Among those contributing factors, Bill's connection to convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. The disgraced financier died in jail in 2019 while awaiting trial for sex trafficking charges. You know, it was also widely reported that Bill had a, a friendship or business or some kind of contact with Jeffrey Epstein. It's not one thing, it was many things. But I did not like uh, that he'd had meetings with Jeffrey Epstein, no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you made that clear to him? I made that clear to him. Melinda admits she met Epstein and doesn't mince words about her first impression. I wanted to see who this man was. And... Um, I regretted it from the second I stepped in the door. He was abhorrent. He was evil personified. I had nightmares about it afterwards. My God, I feel terrible for those young women. It was awful. In a statement to CBS News, Bill calls meeting with Epstein, quote, a mistake that I regret deeply. He adds, it was a substantial error in judgment. Any of the questions remaining about what Bill's relationship there was, those are for Bill to answer. showed it because uh, I've talked to a few people that didn't know that, I mean, he's uh, known to have been a frequent flyer. Yeah. And uh, this is what has been going on in our own backyard regarding Epstein. Where Epstein got his big break was in the early 90s. Les Wexner, who is the head of the limited, um, Victoria's Secret, multi-billionaire, he gave Epstein the keys to his kingdom power of attorney over everything. And Epstein was allowed to do whatever he wanted with Les Wexner's fortune. Every, any, anything he wanted. He was, uh, he was given power of attorney. I mean, but he didn't, I mean, he barely even knew him, correct? Um, this wasn't even no, like they, a... They'd known each other for, I don't know, I mean, five or six years. 
Um, but I think Les Wexner is a pretty dirty guy. I mean, he's also been named as a, uh, as a perpetrator. And I do believe that he is a perpetrator. Um, and he and Jeffrey Epstein, Les Wexner has a very interesting history. He's got a, a history with the mafia. Um, there was an attorney that, whose law firm worked for Les Wexner's Limited. His name was Arthur Shapiro, and he was shot in the back of the head twice, um, execution style, in um, Columbus, Ohio, which is where Wexner lives and where the, the Limited is his headquarters. So, um, and so it was, it was, it was very much a mafia hit. And there, there was a police report, a homicide report. I've got it that came out and it named Les Wexner as the chief suspect of that homicide. And it talked about all of Les Wexner's mafia connections, which I was able to corroborate. Um, the police chief of Columbus ordered that homicide report to be destroyed. And, but I got a copy of it, so I'm good at getting stuff. So, um, but yeah, Les Wexner is the prime suspect as far as being the prime mover of that homicide, what, according, you, according to that homicide report. Why do you think, well, I mean, what was his fortune? How much was it? Um, it's, he's estimated to be worth at least $4 billion. Why would he, I mean, is a blackmail? Why would he hand over the keys and give full power of attorney to Jeff Epstein other than blackmail? Do you think it was blackmail? Um, it's either blackmail or they're both into something very sorted together. Um, and, and here's what people don't understand about Epstein. And they didn't understand this about Franklin. Um, Jeffrey Epstein was blackmailing some of the most powerful men in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, all you got to do is look at his black book and see that he was blackmailing some of the most powerful men in the world. Now, Jeffrey Epstein was a college dropout from working class Coney Island. Is Jeffrey Epstein going to be able to blackmail Les Wexner, who has connections to the mafia? There's no way in hell. I mean, Jeffrey Epstein would have a very brief life expectancy if he did that. But the thing about it is, if he's got an intelligence apparatus behind him, uh -huh. and, and they make it known to whoever he's blackmailing, no one touches Jeffrey Epstein, or else pictures are going to come out or whatever. I mean, that's the only way that Jeffrey Epstein um, is able to blackmail. So you think that Jeffrey Epstein had an intelligence organization behind him? Oh, absolutely. More than no more. doubt about it. U.S. Well, intelligence organization or another country? Well, yeah, okay, so people speculate that it was Israeli um, and uh, not American. But here's the thing about that, and I try to explain it to people. There's no way that American intelligence is going to let Israeli intelligence compromise American politicians without getting a cut of that intelligence. That's the real world, folks. <laughs> and I checked what I could of the things he said. He has the receipts. That's right. In Columbus, Ohio, when you see all this stuff about Jeffrey Epstein, Columbus, Ohio, and Les Wexner, played a huge part in that. And let me tell you something else. Uh, 
you look up the history of the modern sodomite extremist culture that we have today and watch uh, the uh, documentary on uh, what's his name uh, what's the guy's name that's no, not Lindsay what's his uh, Kenzie Kenzie was a, a researcher in quotes based in Indiana and he used Ohio State professors and students to perform pedophilic uh, acts and record the responses of their victims and then use that information and the information he got from prisoners came out with what's called the Kinsey Report and listen all the sex ed and sex uh, information in your curriculum in secular uh, schools high, junior high, high school, college based their textbooks on the Kinsey Report. And we were supposed to believe that what Kinsey Report told us was the norm of sexuality in America in the 1950s and 60s. What he presented was the norm of pedophiles and prisoners. Yeah, how many of you heard 10% of the United States is homosexual? You never heard that? I, I want to see, how, how many of you have heard 10%? That's the number they've been throwing around for 40 years. Anytime you talk about it, they say, well, 10% uh, of the population, 10% of the population was never homosexual. It was 10% of the prison population. And But the ABC, NBC, CBS, including Walter Cronkite, everybody thinks is some great newsman. He wasn't. All lied and they knew they were lying. And they lied and lied and lied. Just like I say, you lie enough, people believe it's the truth. Now, you have probably approaching 5 or 6% of the population, was only about 3%, are engaged in outright sodomite sex. And now there's, all, there's millions of kids who are claiming to be trans and using all these pronouns and stuff, but they're, it's all for a show. It's all for, you know, to get attention and that sort of thing. And so we hope that any of our loved ones that we know are involved in that, that that's what they're doing. But uh, that's the reality. I mean, it's just uh, such a, a wicked, uh, it is a conspiracy. I mean, it is what it is. According to Ryan, who's a, that investigative uh, journalist, the cover-up involves feds, it involves state agencies and actors, and many tech industry operatives, including Jim Wells, who founded, co-founded Wikipedia. And Wikipedia has all kinds of stuff, including if you listen to that, art, that whole, it's like a two-hour interview. If you listen to it, he'll tell about how they totally misrepresent an investigation he was involved with, trying to make it look like, ah, oh, it's a big farce. And when he contacted Jim Wells and gave him the information he needed to go on Wikipedia and correct it, he cut him off and didn't hear from him anymore. Uh, it's just uh, that, I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's going to move on. I mean, uh, our culture is a cesspool. Our universities 
our high schools for the most part, the textbook authors, all of them are a bunch of sodomites and sodomite allies given over to the devil. <laughs> and this sex trafficking, Joe Biden and his administration and rhino Republicans are involved in it too, are knowingly allowing uh, tens of thousands of children and women to be raped and gang raped and then brought into this country and turned into sex slaves. They know it. It's by design. And so when God finally puts the nail on the coffin of this country, it'll be later than I thought this country deserved. Amen. Number three, Hunter Biden put on a show today. Hunter, apparently you're afraid of my words. Whoa! <laughs> oh! I'd like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think it's clear and obvious for everyone watching this hearing today that Hunter Biden is terrified of strong conservative Republican women because he can't even face my words as I was about to speak to him. What a coward. Yeah. And a reporter did get in one good question. Could you please, I'll answer your question if you be quiet and let me make a statement, okay? How crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? Okay? How crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? <laughs> he's getting ready to turn, he's getting ready to talk. He says, what kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? <laughs> oh, yeah. Be informed, pray, and act accordingly. Yes, we'll start with Mary. Okay, I'm just going to tie all my questions, and then you can answer whatever one you want. Um, I'm wondering how many different kinds of Muslims there are, and which one was in that video. Um, Wait, a minute, just need some real quick. I'll okay. just wrap up. Okay. Uh, I don't know the exact number, okay. but there are about six or seven main groups. But Sunni and Shia make up ninety percent. And what was the second one? Who was in that video? Uh, he was a Sunni. Okay. Um, is Lex Wexner dead? He's alive. And is it true he has tunnels under his home? I yes. don't know, but I would not be surprised. Our, our son has been there several times. Yes, I do. He, his uh, electric company has done work there. Mary's like, so, please clarify. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've just done work there, but yeah, they do. Somebody else be surprised at anything with Les Wexner. No, I've heard the stories through the years myself. Yeah, Jennifer. Uh, just confirming, Wexner, this is the guy that they named the medical center after? Mm -hmm. yes. Okay. Well, he okay. paid for it. Yeah. Okay. And he's, he's given, I don't know how much money to Ohio State. Uh, okay. Of course, that never means that the students pay less tuition. No, of course not. John? Yeah. Well, according to some research I've done, um, all those videotapes got possessed by the FBI. What all those what? The, uh, were, were the ones they taped on the island of the, that they were blackmailing? No, that's that not that. Not, they're, they're, when they raided the house, they came across it. Whatever tapes was in that guy's house. The, they they have they the FBI does have some of the tapes, but there are other tapes out there, and that's how they're able to continue bribing people. Yeah. It's not the FBI doing it, but they're, they're uh, the intelligence agencies, which FBI uh, 
is really NSA, CIA, Mossad, and other groups are supposed to be using these tapes and everything. And I hate to say it, but Speaker Johnson makes you wonder if they got something on him. He's signing off on uh, a bill that uh, would make a, any any of the liberals of the 80s and 90s would be salivating at the spending bill he's about to sign off on. And he comes from a very respected uh, family down in Louisiana. I know my brother-in-law knows of the family and everything. I hope he didn't get himself in trouble, but it makes you wonder. John? I was just commenting, or going to comment on, as bad as, it, bad as the corruption and crime is here in America, it's probably still far worse everywhere else. I wouldn't agree with that. No? I think it's bad everywhere, and America is the main money bag. If it wasn't that bad in America, it wouldn't be as bad in other countries. Okay. Now, you know, I don't discount at all when Osama bin Laden, um, or his real name, Tim Osborne, and others who have funded terror attacks against America, when they are, they claim to be serious Muslims and they claim that they hate our country for all the pornography, all the sex trafficking there anymore. going I don't discount that uh, one bit. That doesn't that still doesn't mean that killing innocent people is should be allowed. It doesn't mean that 9-11 is okay. But it does mean America is a wicked country. We are the most wicked country on the planet. If you want to know where most of the child pornography and pornography period all around the world comes from, 90% of it comes from the United States of America. And about 75% of that comes from California alone. That's why you, you just wonder uh, why California is still there. Toledo, Ohio is, is the worst in, the, worst in Ohio and quite a bit of the nation. I don't know if that's still true. I remember there was a, that used to be the case. But I want to tell you, Cincinnati and Cleveland, and, uh, I mean, it's just... Well, Columbus is really bad. Columbus is really bad, too. I, I think it's... They've just caught up because they have more people, more money okay. in it. But Columbus, you know, folks, Columbus is considered by some to be the gay-friendliest city in the United States. We talk about San Francisco and that, but Columbus, what would you say? I've, I've heard it was like the Midwest. I didn't know we were the entire U.S. There was a you know, gay magazine or something that came out uh, a couple of years ago. I did a current events update and showed the cover of it where they said that in the United States. Of course, in the world, what what city do you think in the world? Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv, Israel. That's supposed to be the most sodom... I'm using my language. Biblical language. The most sodomite city in the world. Tel Aviv, Israel. And of course, it's getting that way in Jerusalem too. Which is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Because after the rapture, during the tribulation, God himself refers to Jerusalem and won't call it by name. And he says it's that place where the Lord was crucified and calls it Sodom. So that's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy right before our eyes, preparing for the Antichrist. Yeah. Mark could be my last one. we got to get in. Yeah, uh, Columbus, according to a friend of mine who's long been a Christian, but he was formerly a gay person. And everything, and he, uh, you know, he he 
told me that Columbus is the largest Midwest stop bordering on being the second largest in the United States. The, the what? Uh, the largest Midwest stop. Stop? What do you mean by that? For, for, for gays. Oh. Oh, yeah. Through. Yeah. And uh, it's bordering on being the second most uh, yeah. populous. Well, when you're named the friendliest, gay yeah. friendliest, then. All right. Well, with that, I promise you it'll be a little more positive from this point forward. <laughs> We're going to close out Second Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. And uh, we get into our Bible study. And I'd ask Brother Johnny, if you would, open the Bible study prayer. Uh, dear Lord, just we thank you that continue to have mercy on us and the world in general because it's, it's almost overwhelming with hearing how wicked things are, but you continue to protect us and still and many people. And so we pray you'll Bless the message tonight so we can learn from your word and be strengthened to, to carry on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, 2 Thessalonians 3, 16 through 18, as we complete our study of 2 Thessalonians 3 with a final blessing from the Apostle Paul, including, he says, the Lord be with you all. That's where we got our title for this study. Verses 16 through 18. Read the even with me. So if you will, start verse 16. Read with me. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. 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 So Paul's threefold blessing begins with peace. Then he blesses them with the presence of Christ. Then we see verse 17 is the authentication of his epistle. And it's funny, he kind of throws that in there right before the last blessing of grace. And so we'll come uh, to each of those as we read the beginning of verse 16. Now... Uh, Paul begins by telling us the source of the peace he's prayed for. Look what he says there in verse 16. Now the Lord of peace, the source of peace. Uh, I hope you love this local church, Amen. but it's not the source of your peace. Amen. I hope you like the food here. Amen. Not that I'm the cook, I can't claim credit, but we've got some good cooks here. Amen. And I love the food. It gives my stomach some peace, but uh, that's not the source of the peace. What is our, the source of our peace is the Lord himself. And this phrase is used uh, once uh, as in those words, the Lord of peace, right here in our text. But it's synonymous with a couple of others. Prince of peace. And that's used once. How many of you know right offhand where that's at? Anybody? More specific? Isaiah 9.6. Isaiah 9.6. 
It's Christmas, so I thought some of you would remember it was on Christmas cards and things. But uh, <laughs> then God of peace is used five times. So the reference to Jesus as Prince of Peace points us to his kingdom reign, which will be a kingdom of what? Peace. 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 <laughs> and uh, Isaiah 9, 6 says, my wife answered, uh, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. And then there's one reference to Jesus as God of Peace, uh, also pointing us to the kingdom reign, and that's in Romans 16, 20. I love this verse. And the God of Peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. I believe that's what that's saying. And I'm not trying to toot my horn or anything. I'm just saying I haven't read this in other commentaries. And I just think this is what it's saying. That when we return with Jesus Christ on our white horses, how is the beast, the false prophet, and the entire armies of the world and everything destroyed when he returns by the word of his mouth a sword that comes out of his mouth the word of God what are we doing looking under our feet looking under our feet while Jesus is bruising the head of Satan who is then cast into what bottomless pit yeah and then the lake of fire at the end of the kingdom of peace so, by the way, I numbered each reference to God of peace. You can see all five as we use them in the study. That's the first one. A second reference to Jesus as God of peace also points us to his preserving us blameless until his return. Uh, of course, we read about that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto what? The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you can rest assured he will preserve you. <laughs> That's a wonderful promise we talked about back then. It is the God of peace who gives us peace. Peace doesn't come through a pipe doesn't come through a needle, doesn't come from a pill, doesn't come from self-esteem or self-love. It doesn't come from anything or anyone else other than the God of peace, who is the Lord of peace, came to this earth, earth as Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, who is coming again to rule and reign. Amen. So back to our text there, verse 16. Now the Lord of peace give you peace. There you go. Always by all means. And then we're given the key to God's peace, and that is his presence. In verse 16, the Lord be with you all there at the end. 16 was a part B. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace, always by all means, period. Then it says, the Lord be with you all. That's his presence, his promised presence. His peace comes with our knowledge of His presence. You can be saved and not have any peace. It's your fault, but 
You can be saved and not have any peace. How do you have peace? It's when you live with the knowledge of His presence. Now, you'll be taught falsely by people who will tell you you need to call on God and say, Where are you, Lord? Come to me. Fall on me. Fall on us. And all that kind of thing. That's not what needs to happen. What needs to happen is for you to believe God's Word. Because God's Word tells you He's here. As we'll see, if you're saved, He's in you. You take Him everywhere you go. We don't have to... I've been in church services where they'll start out and they'll play the music and everybody you know, starts to sway and everything. And they say, Now let's call on the Lord. Oh Lord, come to us. Come in our midst. Come and do this and that. And I'm sitting there thinking, Bad theology. He's here. Or at least, I, I want to say, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I brought him with me. Yeah. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I brought him with me. If you're saved. That's why Paul repeats this blessing. Look what he says in Romans 15, 33. Uh, now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Why does he say that? Because... You have him in you. But if you don't live with that blessing, you forfeit it in practical terms, even though he's right there with you. How many of you have seen this? Sometimes you see it on bumper stickers, t-shirts. I had a friend who had a shirt, and I couldn't, I've never been able to find it. On the front, it said the N-O, no Jesus, no peace. And on the back, it said K-N-O-W, no Jesus, no peace. And so, uh, I'm... I, I wear a, a 2X if you find one. Um, but uh, if you get a th if they only have 3X, I'll wear them loose too. I just don't like tight shirts. You know, don't want to get too much attention, you know. <laughs> Draw too much attention. The unsaved who do not know Jesus, they have no real peace. Yeah. So you just put them in categories. If you're unsaved, you don't know Jesus if you're unsaved. You can know the name of Jesus, you know things about him, but you don't know him. That's like, I know who Elon Musk is. I do not know Elon Musk. Right. That's of no consequence. But if you're not saved, you know who Jesus is, but you don't know Jesus. That's of eternal consequence. Amen. Right. The saved who do not live conscious of the presence of Jesus have no real peace. That is the mass majority of Christians today. That's why they're all on dope. Illegal, legal, doesn't matter. Popping pills, shooting up, smoking. Why? They may be saved. I'm not. I, they say they're saved. Who am I to judge their heart? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. If you're saved, there's a reason why you don't have peace. It's your fault. And if you're seeking it in other means like that I just mentioned, you're not going to have peace. You have to live conscious of the presence of Jesus in your life. It is by living with the full awareness and knowledge of the presence of Jesus that we experience his peace. That's the only way you will ever experience his peace in any real lasting sense. That is to live with the full awareness and knowledge of the presence of Jesus. One, uh, we'll, we'll get into some practical terms in just a minute. 
But this is something, first of all, understand this. Salvation is settled. If you're saved, you're saved. The dumbest thing you can ever do after you have been saved is to turn around and say, I wonder if I'm saved. We've all done it. I mean, I, I can only speak for myself. But it's stupid. And so at some point, I, I decided, you know what? I know I'm saved. I, I trust, I, if, I, if the Bible's true, I'm saved. So from that point on, I haven't questioned my salvation. If you question your salvation after you're saved, you're being a complete hypocrite because you claim to believe the Bible. The Bible says you're saved, you're saved. So stop questioning your salvation and stop being a hypocrite or stop claiming to be a Bible-believing Christian. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, it's the Bible says you're saved. And if you're saved, the Bible says that these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. It's settled. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. It's that simple. So salvation is settled, but practical daily peace is conditional. It, I've, I've had people argue with me about this, and they're some of the most uh, troubled people, professing Christians I know, but they want to argue and say, I don't believe that. I believe that once you're saved, you have His peace. And I'm just honest. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to hurt feelings, but I'm saying, listen, if that's true, you're not saved. What? I said, you're tortured. You're constantly talking about how you're troubled and anxious and all these things. If, why don't you stop believing some nonsense that isn't true, that is obviously not true in your own life, and start believing what the Bible says. The Bible teaches us that as Christians, we have to live in the truth. And if we do not live in the truth, then you're not going to have peace. It's conditional. Philippians 4.9. That's what Paul's saying here. Those things, which you listed above, we don't have time to go back and study Philippians again, but we've got a whole uh, verse by verse series on it. the entire book of Philippians. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. That's conditional. If you don't do those things that you have learned, received, heard, and seen in the apostles, then you will not have peace, even if you're saved. There's a right way and a wrong way, by the way, of practicing the presence of Jesus. How many of you heard that terminology, practicing the presence of Jesus? And that's what this is. That's a legitimate uh, phrase, a legitimate practice. Um, is practicing the presence. Because, why, is it, why do we say practicing? Well, that doesn't always mean you, you're, you know, uh, pra I practice so I can get better. That's true. Um, in a sense, spiritually, we're going to practice the rest of our lives. None of us are ever going to arrive and say, whoop, I've licked that one. <laughs> I am now a spiritual giant. It's not going to happen. As a matter of fact, as soon as you say that, we know to pray for you. Because <laughs> we know you're in trouble. But there's a wrong way. First of all, a wrong way of practicing his presence is listening for voices. There's not, well, I think I put it right there. I challenge anybody, we claim to be Bible-believing Christians. The Bible never once tells us to listen for voices. If anybody would like to correct me, I stand corrected. I stand, at this point, correctable. I've looked. I've read the Bible numerous times. 
I've never seen the Bible tell us to listen for voices. Now, God does speak to us through His Word. So you're out doing something and this and that and something comes to mind. So that thought you had in your mind, then what do you do? If it is in line with God's word, doesn't contradict God's word, isn't something totally insane, like if the voice says, go jump off a building, you know you shouldn't do that. Amen? Amen. But a lot of times you say, well, that kind of seems a little vague. Well, listen, if it doesn't go against God's word, and it's in accordance with God's word, then there might be times where then you have to kind of make a judgment call. Other times, it's just God's word, and it's, in either case, that's what this book is supposed to do in you. That's what this word is supposed to do in your life. As you read it and memorize it, you're going about your daily life, and something will come at you, and then if you say, well, I don't have a Bible verse or anything come to my mind, well, that's when you pray. And you say, Lord, I don't know what to do about this. I'm, I'm kind of confused. And uh, please help me. And then you know what's happened to me sometimes? Somebody out of the blue or somebody I don't even know. I'll have a conversation with them. And then they'll say something. They'll quote the Bible. They'll quote the verse that answers my question. Other times it's just me. I go in and say, you should do this if you've got time. Whip out that phone app or whatever and get into the Bible and start looking and seeing. And it's what that... Because you have a conscience. Your conscience functions. And what you put in, you're kind of like, um, you're not artificial, but you're programmable information. Your brain is constantly being programmed. What you're putting in will affect your thoughts. It's like your ability to even think. Think about if you never learned any math. Well, that would affect your ability to go to the store and buy things. You'd have a certain amount of money in your wallet or in your bank account with your card, and then it costs a certain amount. You'd be like, I don't know if I can afford that or not. I don't know if I have enough money. So what happened? You learned math. It's not God who says, that costs $30. You have 40 Ding, 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 ding. You can buy that. That's not God speaking to you. But that is how your brain functions when it comes to math. Now, then you've got to start to buy that thing. And when you're about to buy it, your conscience says, you haven't given to the church yet. Oh, if I buy that thing, I'm not going to have the money to give to the church. Now what do you do? What do you do? You take, let's say you're supposed to give 30 bucks, you got 40. You give 30 to the church, put the 10 back in your wallet or save it one way or another. And then accumulate the funds by not robbing God, but accumulate the funds so then you can afford to buy it. Now, that voice was your conscience, but it's based on the word of God. You see how that works? Well, the same thing's true when it comes to the presence of God. Don't listen for voices because that's not how it works. But you know he's present by the word of God. So when you say, I don't feel like God's with me. I feel like he's nowhere near me. What's the first thing you should do if you don't memorize the verses? You should go look the verses up and read where God assures you he is there. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you, for example. And all the different verses that tell you that God is there. Then you pray and say, Lord, help me to believe what you just told me in your word. That's all you, that's all you have to do. And once you choose to believe it, it may not even feel right when you're doing it. But if you choose to believe God's word, he'll honor that. And then the feelings will come. But we don't live by feelings, do we? We walk by faith and not by sight. Another wrong way of practicing his presence is repeating the name Jesus. Or some other words or repetitionally singing or chanting. I, I read a book one time that's telling you how you can know that you, uh, you live like, basically it was telling us we live sinless. And telling us how you can live with him, God's presence at all times. And he said, oh, walk around just constantly say his name, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I thought, that, yeah, stupid. <laughs> I thought, that, I don't, where is that in the Bible? And of course, I couldn't find it in the Bible, so I didn't do it. But other people read that in a Christian book, in a Christian bookstore, and they do it. But that doesn't work. That's not how it works. Uh, Jesus warned us in Matthew 6, 7, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. <laughs> That's a heathen practice. That's not Christian. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Don't be impressed by all this mysticism and monks and stuff. That's not Bible Christianity. A lot of Christians are really impressed with that stuff. And it's not only not impressive, it's totally anti-biblical. The Bible never teaches us to go off to a monastery and count beads and not speak to one another and to flog ourselves and wear wool or whatever and sackcloth and all that kind of stuff that they do in these monasteries. But people are impressed with that. The right way of practicing His presence is simply living to live full. Or I put this. I'll just read it. Live fully conscious, conscious of His omniscience and his indwelling spirit in you as a believer. The Bible says God's everywhere. Do you believe that? Psalmist says even if you were to go down into hell, he's still there. How can, how can God be in hell? It's impossible for there to be a place where God is not. That's what omniscience means. He's not suffering in hell, but he is present there. He observes Everyone in hell right now, he sees them all. And so he's also here with you. And it says his indwelling spirit is in you as a believer. And that's Colossians 1.7. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's in you right now. And he's staying there. And it doesn't matter where you go, even if you're in some place you shouldn't be. He doesn't step outside and wait for you. And I'm not going in there. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, you go in a place like that, if you're anyways, in any way subject to his spirit and sensing his spirit at all, he'll put you under conviction about it, Amen. being in that wrong place. Johnny? I think of in the earlier, the previous slide... Did you mean omnipresence? Yes. He's omniscient, but he's omnipresent. Thank you, Johnny. Omnipresent means he's everywhere, including hell. Done. Yeah, yeah, what you said there about uh, 
about convicting uh, you if if you're not convicted, then then eventually you you've got to check check your that's right whether you're saved or not. Yeah, one of the recent devotionals or notice the Deuteronomy study this week Saturday I talked about that because if you are without chastisement, your bastards are not sons. So there's that. And then quickly we have the authentication. I just want to point out Paul inserts a station identification board. <laughs> I think I put it in there. Look what it says, verse 17. The salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. And then it'll say what we read in verse 18. You're listening to WEAP. W Epistle of Apostle Paul. <laughs> In which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Stay tuned! <laughs> and that's all. Oh, by the way, he does, I do want to point out, uh, this is why, one of the reasons I believe the thorn in his flesh was bad eyes. And when he wrote in one place, he talks about how large his letters are. He's not talking about how long letters, because... He was writing a short letter when he said it. But large letters, meaning the alphabet that he's actually, or alphabet uh, that he's writing, um, the alpha, beta, Greek. And they were large because when people have bad vision, they write bigger because they can't hardly see it. Yeah. He says, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. So that's how people could identify the epistles and knew it wasn't AI. So then verse verse 18, we close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So walk in the reality of his presence and you live in his grace. You have his peace with his presence. You have his grace. And uh, one definition that some people like to use for grace is the unmerited favor of God, which means you didn't earn salvation. Salvation is by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then the other that I like is from Adrian Rogers was the first preacher I heard give this. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's something like something Mark would have come up with. Spells G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Ephesians 1 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his what? Grace. And then in Philippians 4 19 again says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. So let's close by reading the fifth use of the descriptive term God of peace. We've read the other four. Let's go to Hebrews which was written by Paul, no matter what your college professor tells you. <laughs> Chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. And we'll close with these two verses. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. If you're there, read both with me. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, 
through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So the God of peace brought Jesus again from the dead through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Amen. Make you perfect, a sense of completion in every good work. And then one of these days, to whom be glory forever and ever, and we will be in his glory, in his presence, and share his glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time in your word. We thank you so much for the gifts that belong to us, having been saved by the blood of Jesus. We receive your peace. We are assured of your presence. And we are given so much grace from the time of salvation to the time we're in your presence for eternity. And we just thank you and can't thank you enough. We love you. And I just pray that everyone here tonight is able to believe your word and walk with the full consciousness of your presence in their life every day. And uh, may each of us realize when we are robbed of that peace, it's our own fault that we need to move closer to you, get back on our knees, open the word, get the word back in our minds, in our hearts, and live according to your word by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Jenny Albaugh is going to lead us in the goodbye song. This goes with the message, by the way. This is a great song to uh, close. Sing it through twice. Goodbye, our God is watching over you. Goodbye, His mercies go